0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're wrapping up a series this morning on power words. We've talked about words that impact your life. We've talked about the words, thank you, the word but God, and the words, I will, last week. got Another one for you this week, it's a, it's a life changer. Now, we talk about words don't impact our life. Sometimes people say, Alan, you know, words, words are just words. In fact, a Very famous saying is, just say it, like, it doesn't matter. Well, really, are you sure? There was a, outside of Biloxi, Mississippi, they, in a small courtroom, they called Mrs. Bertha Jones to the stand. Mrs. Bertha Jones was an older Mississippi grandma. And she made her way to the stand, and they swore her in, and, and the defense, I mean, the prosecuting attorney looked to her and said, "Miss Jones, do you know me? He was just trying to break the ice. She said, well, yes, Miss, Mr. Williams, I know you, I've known you since you were a little child. Quite frankly, you've been a huge disappointment to me. You lie. You cheat on your wife. You got a drinking problem. You think you're nothing but a big shot. And all you are is a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, sir. I know you well. Prosecutor attorney was so stunned. He didn't know what to do. So he just turned and looked at it and said, Mrs. Jones, do you know the defense attorney? She said, Mr. Bradley, yes, yes. She said, I know Mr. Bradley. I know Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster. He's also been just a major disappointment. He's lazy. He's bigoted. He's got a drinking problem, cheats on his wife with three different women. And besides that, he thinks he's got the best law firm in the state, one of the worst law firms, in the state can't have a meaningful relationship with anybody. I know Mr. Bradley. Well, the courtroom's exploding by now. Just, they're just all over, and the, and the judge finally gets it quiet. And he calls the two attorneys forward, and they approach the bench, and he leans over very quietly, and he looks at them. He said, if either of you clowns ask that old woman if she knows me, I will send you to the electric chair. (laughs) So don't tell me words don't matter. Words do matter. Some of the most powerful words we use are the words that we use about ourselves. And that's what I am going to talk about this morning as I talk about the words I am. I am. These are words we often use to identify ourselves. And it can really be a double-edged sword. You can use the words I am to identify. And I often hear people identify with the weak areas of their life. And they don't have a problem. They just very easily say, well, you know, I'm just undisciplined. I'm I'm you know, I'm weak, I'm fragile, I'm broken. You hear you hear people talk about these things, and often they think that maybe that's that's helping them. And we're going to find out it really isn't helping, but people often identify there. Or how about fear? You ever hear people talk about how afraid they are? I'm just afraid. What's going to happen? I'm just afraid for my family. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And, and they talk fears. And what, I, what I'm, I, I want to keep getting over to you is talking fears or talking weaknesses don't make them go away. One of the biggest challenges is that I hear people talk, is I hear them talk about themselves. And I hear them talk in such negative terms. You hear people say, well, I'm just unlovable. I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm a lousy Christian. And maybe you ha- have, have not expressed these words maybe out loud, or if someone, if someone came to you and told you that about yourself, you might push back on that. Well, who are you? But usually these are the words that we say in private. These are the words that we say about ourselves. A number of years ago, Norman Vincent Peale, who was a minister and considered the father of of positive thinking, was walking through the streets, the back streets of Hong Kong, and he passed a tattoo parlor. And he noticed in the window they had pictures of what you could have tattooed. And so he looked and he saw all different kinds of images, but then he saw words that really bothered him. And the words were, born to lose. And he, he just, that just bothered him. And he went in and he, he asked the Chinese man, he said, this tattoo, born to lose. He said, does that, does that, anyone ever get that tattooed on them? And, and the Chinese man nodded. He spoke broken English. He said, nodded. He said, sometimes, yes. He said, why would anybody, he said, in the right mind, tattoo born to lose on their body? The Chinese man looked at him in his broken English. He, he tapped his forehead and said, Before tattoo on body, tattoo in mind. And there's such a, uh, Jesus said something similar. He said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we find that identifying, using your words, I am using it the wrong way, is not helping you. But you can also use it in a positive way. You hear people say, you hear people, I'm blessed, I'm happy, I'm strong. You can just as easily say that. Usually the people that say that are people typically who have a lot of confidence. Little girl's in children's church and she was, she was coloring, but she was intent and had her tongue out and she was just working it. And the teacher came by and said, said hey, darling, what are, you, what are you coloring? She said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, she said, sweetheart, no one knows what God looks like. She kept drawing, she never looked up. She said, they will when I'm done. There's somebody with a a, a positive outlook on life. But here's here's a spiritual principle. Our words can either help us or they can hurt us. They can help us or hurt us. We've we've gone over that scripture, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's in Proverbs 18, 21. Our words can help us or hurt us. Now, I want to do something this morning. I've never done this, but uh, have you know we can do things differently. You can teach old dogs new tricks. So, here's what we're going to do this morning. We're, if you would, if you would pull out, if you've got a, a pencil and some paper, if you would go ahead and pull that out. Now, I don't ask this much, so just work with me. It'll take, it's going to take less than a minute to do this. Pull out pen and paper. If you don't have pen and paper, you've got a smartphone with a note app on it. Go there. Now, after we finish, I need you to put that smartphone up. But it will, it got it. if you've if you got pen and paper, so here's, here's what I want you to do I'm going to give you 10 seconds. And when I say go, I want you to write down all the positive, wonderful traits about you. You ready? One, two, three, go. Positive traits. And stop. Now, same sheet, I want you, when I say go, I want you to write down all the negative things about you. Things your spouse has told you that you need to work on. <laughs> One, two, th- go. And stop. Okay. Now, I need you to turn around and hand this to a perfect stranger. So, no, I'm just kidding. i just yeah. <laughs> Here's, I, I, I want to ask a question. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you found it easier to write the negatives than you did the positives? That the negatives, negatives, boy, they, they flow. The positives, some of you were straining to come up with something in, in that 10 seconds. Now, if you had a huge list of positives, in fact, you, just, you couldn't stop writing the positives and you have zero negatives, I've got to add one to you. It's called delusional. That is because uh, <laughs> nobody's there. But it's, it's interesting that the negatives typically, now we've done this for a long time, negatives typically come easier. Now I, hope, I hope that you had some great things to say about yourself. But oftentimes, people have the negatives that come easier. And so what we're finding is, is that our words can help us or hurt us. So the objective is we want, we want to learn to use our words intentionally to help us, not to hurt us. A New York University professor by the name of Adam Alter did some research and his research was, I thought it was a very interesting subject, he called it name-based outcomes. Name-based outcomes is basically saying that how you were named has something to do with the outcomes in your life. And he listed people like a guy named, whose last name was Roe Botham, who became an Olympic rower. He listed Usain Bolt, who was the fastest man in the, uh, in the world for a long time. A man by the name of Christopher Coke, who was a drug dealer. He, and then he listed, my favorite was Dr. A.J. Splatt, who was a doctor of urology. And so <laughs> he's now, you, you step back and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's kind of, I'm, I'm sure he got pushed back on, on that. It's like that, that name doesn't, doesn't indicate that that's what someone's going to become. But here's, here's what they found out. He says, research has shown that our names, he said, they go deep into our mental worlds and they magnetically... Begin to embody and attract the concepts that we've talked about. They magnetically begin to attract those concepts that they embody. And so he's he's making research for this. Now, again, I started thinking about that and I realized, well, you know, if you have a name like I do, Alan Clayton, I mean, that that pretty much doesn't, doesn't mean much. But I do know this we dedicated children last week, we've been dedicating children for years. I've never had a formal name of any child be named Stinky. And we would not feel good about a parent who named his child Stinky, Stinky John Smith. If you, know, if you thought, well, that's why. Because we would not want that to, we want them, want them living with that in their life. Now, it might be a nickname. If, you, if your mama called you Stinky, I'm just, you know, don't, no offense here. But the idea is you don't name your child that. I'm going to go way back to the 60s. In the 60s, one of the first songs I remember was a song by the name of Johnny Cash. And it was called A Boy Named What? Sue. Sue. Remember that? Thank God that did not start a wave of a boy's name, Sue. But what it talked about was his name created this. He had to fight his way through life. And that's why his father named him Sue. And what we realize is our words can make a difference in our life. So we, name, we, we want good names for our children. We, we don't want our children being bullied by having them called bad names. And so my, my thing is, if we wouldn't want it said about our kids, why do we say it about ourselves? Our words can help us, or our words can hurt us. But what we can begin to do is use our words to connect with our identity, in other words, what God says we are. And that's when it becomes powerful. Now, I want to give you an example of a man in the Bible who, who made that connection. He connected with what God said he was, and it changed him. His name is John the Baptist. Now, you're thinking, oh, great, John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist is this amazing, wonderful person And John the Baptist, he's, you know, he's in a different category. I mean, think about it. He had a spiritual, uh, a, a supernatural birth. John's parents were old and, and John, you know, they couldn't have kids. And an angel appears to John's father and says, you can have a son. His name is John. He's going to be a prophet. And so don't you know that when John the Baptist grew up, his parents were constantly telling him, son, you had a, God had a plan for your life. There's a supernatural birth for you. It was amazing. Because I'm sure he's looking around going, how come I don't have any brothers or sisters? And like, son, you were a miracle in your own right. So you have that. Then you have the fact that the Bible said he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So you see the Holy Spirit's involvement in his life. So now he's, he, he's got a special plan. He's, he's got the Holy Spirit in his life. And he grew up in a home where they loved the scriptures. His father was a priest. And so they reverenced God and they reverenced the scriptures. All Jewish boys had to learn the first five books of the Bible. And so this was something that he grew up in. So when John showed up on the scene, he is absolutely, he hit Israel like a ball of fire. It'd be like winning American Idol and The Voice and being an NFL quarterback all rolled into one. He was just the most amazing thing. And people were, he's out in the desert and people are coming to him. He wore like he wore camel hair and he had a leather belt and he ate locust and wild honey. This was a wild guy. And he's out there and he's preaching and he preaches hard too. He's calling people snakes and hypocrites and it's just calling people out and people are coming all over and they wanted to know who he was. This is what the, the, the scriptures say about him. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. He said, Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. They asked John, they said, John, what do you say about yourself? Who are you, man? Are you the Christ? Are you the, man, you're the, you're the greatest thing going. You're, it, this is amazing what you're doing. Are you the, are you the anointed one? Are you the Christ, the Messiah that we've been looking for? He said, no, he knew he wasn't. Nope. I'm not that. Are you Elijah? No. Nope. Are you the prophet? No. Nope. Then they ask him the key question. Well, then who are you? What do you say about yourself? Now John could have said a lot of things. He could have said, I tell you what I am. I'm the best thing to hit Israel in a long time. We've been without a prophet. There's been no prophet here. I am the voice of God. I am, I am a prophet of God. Y'all need to listen. That's not what he said. He could have said, well, I'm, I'm just nothing. I'm just nobody. I'm just a, I'm just a little preacher here sharing the word. That's not what he said. Well, what did he say? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He said, as the prophet Isaiah said, you know what John did? Somewhere in John's life, as he began to read the scriptures, he, he began to hear what his parents told John about himself. He began to make a connection. And he found out from the scriptures that this is who the scriptures say I am. And all he said was, I am exactly who the scriptures say I am. That's all he said. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, as the prophet Isaiah said. You say, well, is there any significance to that? I believe there is. And I believe John gives us a model of what we can do. Now, what happens is often is people look at at John's example and they go, well, Alan, John the Baptist, he's in like a, a special category. I mean, he's special. I'm not special. He's special. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push back on that. Yes, you are special because you also have had a supernatural birth. If you've made Jesus your Lord... Jesus himself said, a man must be born again. That's not an evangelical phrase. That's not a Baptist phrase. That's not a church phrase. That's a Jesus phrase. And what he's saying is, "You become if you're in Christ, you become a, a brand new creation. You are absolutely born again. You're brand new. You've had a supernatural birth and you can look at anyone who's been born again and say, you have had a supernatural birth and God has a good plan for your life. There's a good plan for you. Aren't shouldn't we be telling this to our children? God's got a plan for you. You've got, you're amazing. And you aren't just born to my family. You're born to God's family. You've got a supernatural birth. You have the Holy Spirit is active in your life as well. See the, Bi- the Bible says, and I love this. This is when, when the, the John was later writing to the church. He said, you're of God, little children. He's writing, to, he's writing to believers. He said, you're of God, little children, and you've overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He was talking about the same Holy Spirit that was on John lives in us, that's a blessing. So we've got a supernatural birth like John, we have have the the Holy Spirit's living in us and we have access to the scriptures. We are so blessed that we have a Bible that we can open it up, we can read about Jesus and then we can read about what Jesus has done for us. And it changes us. We get a different vision of what God has done in our life, it changes us. A number of years ago an anthropologist was going through the jungles of the Amazon And he, and he was, as he explorations, he stumbled upon a tribe that was way back up in in the Amazon jungle. And he was a little concerned because this was a very primitive looking tribe, but they welcomed him. They were friendly. They invited him in, asked him to stay for dinner. They could honor him. When he came into the chief's hut, he noticed that the chief had a big Bible sitting in a very prominent place in his home. And uh, the anthropologist pointed to the Bible and said, oh, I'm sorry to see that those missionaries have been here telling you all those fairy stories that are in that, uh, in that Bible. And uh, the chief looked at him rather sternly and he walked over and he picked up the Bible and he held it to him. He said, he said, this book has changed our life. He said, the truths in this book have changed our life. He said, if it hadn't been for this book, you wouldn't be our guest tonight, you'd be dinner." there's such truth in that is that we have access to the scriptures and because we have access to the scriptures then we can begin to go in and we can begin to find out what the scriptures say about us what do they say about us in the book of job here if you can if you can put that scripture up and, in the book of job he says this and this i'm asking you to back up a little bit he said but i would strengthen you with my mouth And the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. If if our mouth, if our words can strengthen and relieve grief, then our words also can weaken and cause grief. And so the principle again is that we can take scriptures and and intentionally begin to use scriptures to talk about who we are. Now, I realize that people say, well, you know, I I know who I am. I, I know my natural background. I know where I've come from. You know, I've done my DNA test. I know exactly where my heritage is. I know my weaknesses. I know my strengths. And, you, and that's true. I'm not denying that. But there is something different about finding what the scriptures say about us, because what that presents to us is a higher truth. 2 Corinthians 5:17. you hear me quote it a lot. It's one of the most quoted verses in this church. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now listen, if, if you, you, you can look at that verse and you can say, well, I've made Jesus my Lord. Well, then the Bible says you are a new creation. And you can begin to say exactly what, what the scriptures say about you. Now listen, there's more than that verse. And I'm gonna give you three, as, as we close, I'm, I'll give you three I am scriptures. But you can begin to find out what you have because you have a relationship with Christ And you can begin to speak from that. And here's the the beautiful thing about it. Yeah, you can talk about your weakness and you can talk about your fear and you can talk about all the, the negative things that have happened in your life. But what I keep telling you is that's not helping you. That's not strengthening you. Or you can take it up to a higher level and you can begin to talk about what God says you are because you've made Jesus your Lord. So Alan, I didn't, I I, you know, you don't know me. I I haven't earned, I haven't earned any of this. Of course, we haven't earned any of it. That's why they call it grace. It's what God did for us through Jesus Christ. And the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you get all the benefits that come with him. And so you can say, Thank you, Lord, that I am a new creation in Christ, and old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Thank you, Lord. I'm no longer the weak. I'm no longer the defeated. I'm no longer the, the, the failure. But what I am is because I'm in you. I am loved. I am accepted. I am strong. I am a new creation. I am blessed because that's what you say and I'm going to say what you say. Now listen, if if your kids ran up to you today when you got home and they're eating dinner and you look over and your child is looking, man, they're just looking so depressed (laughs) and you look up and you say, baby, what's wrong? And they, they just look at you and they just go, daddy, I am such a loser in life. I am such a loser. My life is going nowhere. I'm just scared of everything. Nothing except for good's going to happen to me. I'm a horrible person. I just, this life is the pits. Would you look at them and go, praise God, baby, you know, you're so right. That, that is, <laughs> how many of you know as a parent that would just absolutely tear your heart out? And you would look at your child and go, no, no, darling, listen to me, listen. No, that's not who you are. God made you special, and you've got a great, he's got a wonderful plan for your life. And besides that, you're a Clayton for crying out loud. You got, you, but what would you, you, you're going to lift them. Why? Because you recognize that if they stay on that track, their words are going to hurt them. And you don't understand that. So we don't need to be saying that about ourselves. Let me, let me, give, you three, let me give you three great I am scriptures. we talk about I am. This is, this is who I am. Because of Jesus, this is who I am. It's found here in Ephesians. Here's the first two. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. Talking about Jesus. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. How many you know that, it, that grace means something we didn't earn, we didn't deserve? God just did it. So here's, here's the first I am. You could say, I am accepted by God. I'm accepted by God. Now listen, you start to say these words, and I promise you, they're going to sound weird to you. Just like when you start almost anything new, it's, it's awkward at the beginning, but if you begin to practice it, 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 I'm telling you, it'll register on your heart. Thank you, Lord, because of your grace, I am accepted by you. Here's the second one. I'm forgiven by you. My sins are forgiven. Isn't that great? God accepts us, He favors us, and He forgives us. You say, I don't, I don't I don't feel this way. No, no, no. We're not talking about how we feel, we're talking about a higher truth that goes beyond feelings. Listen, sometimes you can, I, I'm telling you something, you know not to act like you feel all the time. Sometimes you walk in and feel like telling your boss, you are one sorry individual and I'm never gonna work here again. I quit today. How about that? You can take this job and give it to someone else because I am not staying. (laughs) Anybody ever felt like that? Don't raise your hand just in case your boss is here. Don't do it. (laughs) But you know better than to talk about how you feel because you could get fired. True? You know, anybody ever feel like quitting and you didn't, you're like, man, I just feel like quitting, but I'm not going to quit because I need this job and my children do better when they eat every day instead of every other day. I'm going to keep my job. So here's the deal. Instead of saying how we feel, what someone else said, listen, you can say just like John the Baptist said, he found in the scriptures, I'm accepted by God. I am forgiven by God because I belong to Jesus. I join him, it belongs to me. Here's the last one. I like this one too. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I don't know how, we're his worksmanship? Yeah, here, here's a better word for that, masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. How many of you know that God, when he makes something, he makes it good? So when he made you, did he make you like, ooh, spare parts? Man, I just ran out of good stuff. <laughs> Man, I had a shortage in heaven. And so you got cheated. No, no, how many of you know when God makes it, he makes it good. You look around, you see the beauty of this earth and you go, God, you're good. You make stuff good. When he made us, the Bible said, we're his masterpiece. So you can look at yourself and go, I'm God's masterpiece and I'm created for good works. Listen to me, you weren't created to be oppressed and depressed. And despairing, you weren't created to be sick and defeated and worn out. God created you for something good in life. You were created for good works. Now here's when it helps us. It helps us when we begin to say the same thing that God said. When life says, "Who are you? What do you say about yourself?" Don't start off and, well, I'm the stuff. Say, I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm created for good things. Imagine for a moment if you were a billionaire. Wouldn't that be cool? You were a billionaire, and you left the house one day, you had to take a cab downtown, and you had three $10 bills in your back pocket, in your wallet. You got, you got there, the cab ride was to the airport was, was um, it was 8 bucks. So you pull out one of those 10s, you give it to the, the cabbie, you get on the airplane, you go to your destination, you get in the hotel room, And you look in your wallet and you look in your wallet, you've only got one 10 there. And you realize, oh my gosh, I lost a $10 bill. Would you go back to the airport, start retracing your steps, trying to find that $10 bill? Would you call the, would you call the the Houston police and say, look, I need you to find that cab driver because I might've given him an extra $10 bill. No. How many of you know if you're a billionaire, you're not going to sweat that loss? You're going to be okay with this. Like, no problem. It's only a 10. In life, has somebody talked about you bad this week? Did you have something that you thought was going to work out and it didn't quite work out? Did you invest in something or buy something and it disappointed you? All those are losses, but how does it affect you? Do you lose your joy? Do you shake your fist and be angry at God? Do you toss and turn at night? Because if you do, then what's happened is you've lost sight of all the wonderful things that God has done for you. But when you realize that you are a spiritual billionaire, you stop wringing your hands over losing 10 bucks and you begin to realize, God, you've done wonderful things in my life. I am so blessed in you. I'm accepting you, forgiven, and you created for good things. These other things don't matter as much. Would you bow your head for a moment and we'll pray. Said your are bowed, and eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you came this, this today and said, Alan, I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, and I know that, and He knows it. But I want to. Or maybe you're here and you say, I, I used to have a relationship with God, but I walked away from Him. But I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But sitting in your chair right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Words, powerful words, that can absolutely change your life. For now and for eternity. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around, but I am going to ask you one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, man, I want to come to the Lord or come back to him. Would you pray for me? Would you just acknowledge that with an uplifted hand? Say, Alan, that's me. Would you, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Great. Say, so, Alan, would you pray for me? Thank you. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand you wanted to. You could just simply say, man, I, I missed my chance. No, you didn't miss your chance. Because this is a prayer. It's a prayer that comes from the heart. We're going to lead you in it, and you can jump right in. It's the prayer that's powerful. God sees hands. He sees hearts. We're going to pray this out loud. We're gonna, Church family is going to join you. You pray it with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you, I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, if heads are bowed and eyes are closed still, let me me pray for, for the rest of us. Father, thank you for those that came to you. Thank you for those who've come back. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you for the spiritual riches that we have because we belong to Jesus. Thank you for the grace that you poured out on our lives. Thank you we can identify with him and identify with all the good things that he's done in our lives that you've accepted us, that you've forgiven us, that we're your masterpiece created for good things. What a blessing, Lord. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.